Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. One of the Democratic candidates is Senator Joseph Biden. Have you seen the problem he's been having? He went around and made a speech. And apparently, he quoted a, I think it was a British politician, took his speech and kind of paraphrased it as his own. And then the press got on him. And then he was charged also with taking part of Bobby Kennedy's speeches. And Biden says, not to worry, he reassured his staff. He said, we have nothing to fear, but fear itself. (laughs) You believe that, folks? Even 37 years ago, 37 years ago, the great Johnny Carson making fun of Joe Biden for stealing someone else's stuff and being basically inept. He talked about Bobby Kennedy. And I do want to play these cuts later, but... My dear friend at the station and the very, very highly rated and talented host of The Other Side of Midnight, Frank Morano, had uh, RFK Jr. on last night. And it was a terrific and fascinating interview. So with that said, here he is on a Monday morning, close to 8 o'clock, my friend Frank Morano. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Sid. It's great to be back. Thanks so much for having me. Great to have you. So uh, Johnny there making fun of Biden, talking about how Biden stole Very from, from Bobby's Neil speech. Kinnock. And you got the yeah. kid on, RFK Jr., and the more people I speak to, a lot of big fans out there, Roger Stone, Jimmy Breslin's son, Kevin Breslin, all these guys love him. Now, of course, Stone is still a Trump guy, but a lot of folks, at least on the Democrat side, only like RFK Jr. You've had him on a couple of times now. What were your impressions after last night's conversation? I have to tell you, I, I find him more impressive with each interaction. And he strikes me as a very serious guy. I have to confess, before I started talking with him, before I started listening to the things that he's saying on the campaign trail, I thought he was just some sort of anti-vax kook. But that's not true. Uh, he His p- position on vaccines is... Very reasonable. I mean, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it this morning. It was mostly, but basically he just wants vaccines to be subject to the same sort of testing requirements that every other medication is subjected to. And he's genuinely pro-choice. He wants people to be able to choose for themselves whether to get vaccinated or not. He said his wife, Cheryl, uh, who's on Curb Your Enthusiasm, she's vaccinated. And uh, half of his children got the COVID vax. So he's not some lunatic anti-vaxxer. He's strikes me as a a very serious guy, and I find him very impressive, I have to say. So is he, uh, I know we know the answer to this, but just for folks that may not know, had Roger on uh, last week, and Roger talked about how Biden has kept these JFK documents, uh, his uncle, Mm. sealed. And and, and, uh, somebody else made the point, I forget who it was, by the way, Donald Trump did the same exact thing. So there's something in there that kind of scared Trump, too. But either way, Roger Stone believes that the CIA killed Kennedy and that it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. And a lot of folks call that conspiracy theorist. I'm not sure. I, I may I may actually agree with 
Roger Stone, I know RFK Jr. feels the same way. Was that part of the conversation last night? It was. It was. We spoke about his father's assassination and his uncle's assassination and that decision from President Biden last Friday to essentially in the middle of the night on a holiday weekend, on a Friday, to announce that they're not going to be releasing any more documents and that uh, they've already released 99 percent of these documents and they're not going to release the rest for national security reasons. And it one, it makes no sense. He says we released 99 percent. How do we know? We have no idea how many documents are actually out there. We have no idea if he's telling the truth. Two is if we're still keeping things secret from 1963 for national security reasons, that's a real problem. Now, I don't think there's some smoking gun um, in locked in a drawer somewhere that said, oh, the real killer is actually this person. So you have to wonder, what are they hiding? And to me, that is the broader question. And uh, I don't know if the CIA was involved. There's always been speculation of the CIA, the mob, somebody else. But there's clearly something that the national security state, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden, whether it's other people, that they don't want released. And now Biden has said that these records are going to remain secret indefinitely. Wow. And uh, that's a real problem. This is the other side of Midnight host Frank Morano, good buddy of mine and a tremendous radio guy. Hey, uh, Frank, I want to get to this Eric Adams story. I don't think that uh, anybody in my audience, maybe some, I shouldn't say that, it's a very bright audience, about 99% have no idea what a straw donor is. Uh, they know about Montgomery. They know six people facing indictment for uh, donor money to Eric Adams. But the specifics, for guys that don't follow this very, very closely, are a bit confusing. And is Eric Adams, why is he even attached to this if, in fact, he had no idea what these people were doing? And according to him, didn't even know five of these six people. What is this story all about? Yeah, so let me let me put this as simply as can be. See, in New York City, you get eight to one matching funds. The city and uh, the generous taxpayers of our city will give you eight public dollars for every contribution up to $250. So it pays to have a lot of individual small dollar contributions because that gets matched eight to one. If you have $1,000 and you contributed to me, only the first $250 is matched. But if that's broken up into 10 other contributions, then that's eight to, that's $900 each because that eight to one match for $100. So what these guys did is they essentially created donors that had no idea they were making a contribution. And then they used straw donors, people that weren't actually using their own money so that they could exploit the match. And the reason this is significant is two reasons. One, we were told this uh, campaign matching fund system was going to limit the influence of money in politics. These are people that were doing business with the city. And clearly they were doing this to get some special influence with city government and with Mayor Adams. And again, Mayor Adams, there's no allegation that he did anything wrong here. Although this is a fella, the ringleader of this, Mr. Montgomery, that he had a relationship with going way back to the when they were in the NYPD together. But here's the problem. Having a system like this, and we saw this with Malcolm Smith, we've seen it with a lot of people, having a system like this where the city is going to give you money for free, the more individual donors you have, it incentivizes uh, candidates to do this. Sure. And what's more disconcerting is the state 
has now adopted this very same program, and they're going to roll it out statewide, which I think has the potential to be, forget about more expensive, it has the potential to be the same sort of invitation for corruption around the state that we've now been seeing in New York City. Wow. Let's get to this Brooklyn Council race. You and I did a lot of council talk. Me and Curtis sure. do it, too. You're all over these things and uh, provided some very good analysis on this program about it. This is uh, the newly created Asian district setting up for a very, very big fight come November. Give us the latest on that race. Okay, so uh, just for people who haven't been following it, the 43rd Council District in Brooklyn, it covers a bit of Bensonhurst, New Utrecht, some of Diker Heights, some of Sunset Park. This district was specifically drawn to be an Asian-majority district so that the Asian voters could have a, a, a candidate of their own. So the Democrats had a bunch of Asian folks running. They had a primary, and uh, one of the Democrats won. The Republicans had the opportunity to nominate an Asian candidate. They did initially. He drops out because he was intimidated seeing what happened with uh, with uh, with another candidate. He was sort of persuaded to drop out. So then they back an Italian candidate, Vito LaBella. <laughs> Vito, Vito LaBella. I think he was in uh, Gravesend with me. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Vito Labella is in a Republican primary against Ying Tan, a community activist that doesn't even live in Brooklyn. So when you give this Asian district a choice of Vito Labella or Ying Tan, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> shockingly, they voted for Ying Tan. So yeah, Ying shockingly. Tan is the Republican nominee. Yeah. Okay, yeah. makes yeah. sense. Now, Vito Labella says... He is staying in the race as the conservative party nominee. Now, this is a a real potential problem for the Republicans because this is expected to be a very close race. So even if LaBella gets three, four, maybe even five percent of the vote on that conservative line, that could a a lot of those voters would have would have certainly voted for the Republican candidate that could toss this seat to the Democrats. So it now New York City has ranked choice voting for the primary but not for the general election. If New York had it for the general, they'd be able to vote for LaBella as their first choice and then Ying Tan as their second choice. But uh, barring that, there's a very real chance that LaBella's decision to stay Mm. in this race as a third-party candidate could actually cost the Republicans a seat. I'm going to have to call one of Vito's relatives and have him make (laughs) Vito an offer he can't refuse. Get out, Vito LaBella. Do us all a favor and get out. We need those Republican seats. Uh, I know you've enjoyed the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary. I talked about it last week. I did, too. But we're out of time for this appearance. We'll do it again next week. It was great, as always. Your show, The Other Side of Midnight, is great. You're a terrific host and a great guy. Thank you so much on this Monday morning, Frank. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Congratulations on the uh, tremendous success of Gravesend. Thank you. Hearing great reviews. If people want to hear that whole Robert Kennedy interview, they can go to WABCRadio.com. And they should. It's a great interview. Frankie, thank you. There he is, folks, the host of The Other Side of Midnight, 1 to 5 a.m. every weekday morning, right before Noam and me. Really talented, great guy, my friend Frank Morano. Only halfway through. What a start, huh, folks?